you are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome. You are Locked On the NBA. My name is Nick Angstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube and the host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast. And joining me all the way up the coast from the postingandtoasting.com and the host of the Locked On Knicks podcast. What you got for me, Alex Wolf? Well, Nick, I'm curious what your thoughts are on the end of Avengers Endgame, where Ant-Man crawled all the way up Thanos' butt. It was I could not believe that they finally went with that ending because it was such it was such a fan theory for so long, and I just couldn't believe that that's what they did. I mean, and sorry for anyone that hasn't seen it yet, but if you haven't seen it by now, you're one of like four people in the United States, four people in in the, globally because it had a ninety percent market share over the weekend, but I just couldn't believe they finally went with that theory. Yeah. And you know, they presented it. They, they really stole it right out of Rick and Morty with the whole, you got to take it and put it right up your butt. Thanos, you know, they did it like the mega seeds in the first episode of Rick and Morty. It was very, it's very uh, surprising of them to be so unoriginal. But... It was wild. I couldn't believe that they did that. It was uh, one of the biggest, one of the biggest shockers of the weekend. And the other was the uh, the the refs with the with the Rockets Warriors that became the huge narrative, and uh, we're gonna get to that game. We'll talk about Golden State Warriors versus the Houston Rockets. That uh, huge narrative of the refs going into this game was just a massive massive topic. Talking about landing area and all that. We'll also talk about Milwaukee versus Boston. Those two games, two playoff games, happened last night, and uh, yeah, we will get to that. You can uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Nick Van Exit, named after Nick Van Exel, and uh, apparently he did not like that name because Nick Van Exel blocked me on Twitter without ever without me ever interacting with him. <laughs> and you can follow Alex Wolf at the Alex Wolf. It's Wolf like the name, not as the like the the dire wolf. Just just to clarify, that's an E because there's people that are W O L F F. Just so you know. O L F F. I guess. Yeah. No double. Or just or just W O L F. And then, you, that too. and then you can follow our shows at Locked on Mavs and at Locked on Knicks. We host those shows. Obviously, our teams are not in the playoffs, but we are we are watching these vigorously. And we are, we are enjoying some of it. We're trying to learn some stuff about our teams. But today we're going to try and focus on the, the actual teams in question. Let's first start with Milwaukee versus Boston. A couple of pretty big adjustments in this game. The uh, Milwaukee Bucks started Nikola Mirotic in this game instead of Sterling Brown. Um, he was kind of questionable at the beginning of the game with back spasms, and we weren't really sure what we were going to get from him. And then when Miritich was taken out of the game because he got two early fouls, they put in Pat Connaughton. And so a lot of people thought that Sterling Brown wasn't even going to play. And then he went out there and played, and he didn't really play that well. And what did you think about this adjustment? Because this was one of the big adjustments that Milwaukee made and eventually ended up winning the game. I mean, I thought Miritich was useful, you know what I mean? Like, he was definitely, he was keeping the floor spaced out there. You know, he's keeping them honest. He only shot one of five from three. Um, and, and the one that he made, uh, it, it was funny. Marv Albert was not on top of his game. He, like, first he <laughs> called it, he called it a Brooke Lopez shot, a Miritich shot, and then they got the rebound, then it was actually a Miritich shot, and he actually did call it a Miritich shot. But, yeah, I, I thought it was a good adjustment by them, and, you know, to me, I don't know about you, but the scariest thing to me, if I was the Celtics coming out of this game, despite the fact that you stole one on the road in that first game, is that Giannis still, I mean, despite putting up a team-high 29 points, I don't think he still played his best game in this one. And, 
you know, that's got to be pretty scary from the Celtics' perspective if you're looking at this going into that next game. Yeah, that's the thing you really hold on to if you're if you're the Celtics because, uh, or if you're, I guess, if you're the Bucks going into to Boston because he shot forty three point eight percent and he, he made two of his threes, so good good on him. He made two more threes. He made three in the first game, but he's this season was shooting like sixty percent from the floor, taking you know barely any threes. So the three point percentage didn't really affect that field goal percentage. So those are mostly from two, and it was like an insane number. I did a video for Free Dawkins about how Giannis is the most dominant player in the NBA right now. Um, and his shooting percentages and his numbers with his points, his rebounds and all that were around the same numbers that Charles Barkley and Shaq were putting up in their primes. And just Shaq, you know, if you remember Shaq, he just dominated all the time. And he had you know these, these crazy moves. And it was like you couldn't stop him. He was like Harden except for a physical version of him. Harden is now like this herky-jerky has these these step back kind of moves and he feels unstoppable in that way because he just, he manipulates the system in a way. But Shaq was like, he didn't need to manipulate a system because he just manipulated like matter and space and air around him because he was so massive. And Giannis has that kind of feel to him, just the length and the athleticism and the ball handling. Shaq always says that he's better than him, which is kind of hilarious on the broadcast because when does the, when does a former player ever come out and say that a new player or current player is better than them? I feel like that never happens, but Shaq is open and honest about, you know, I think Giannis is better than, than me. And uh, he just hasn't played that way. Al Horford's been, been really good on him. They, they kept on him in this game. Uh, he did go to the free throw line and, and shoot 18 free throws, which is massive. And he hit most, he hit 13 of those. That's a, it's huge. The threes are huge for him. He ends up getting 29 points, but it did kind of feel like, you know that game where Harden didn't get a didn't get a field goal for a while and ended up still scoring like 20, 25, 23 points. Um, he still has a big game in him. I feel like. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, but game ball obviously for this game, you know, all you know, due respect to Giannis and whatever, like with the the game leading twenty nine or whatever, but like Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe freaking killed it in that game. I mean. Uh, Middleton especially, I mean, he, he was 10 of 18 from the floor, 7 of 10 from 3, 28 points, 7 boards. Um, he just, he had a profound impact on this one. I don't know. I mean, it just seemed like, it, obviously, you could tell from the box score you couldn't miss, but when he was out there, I mean, he was he was getting good open looks, and, like, if, if that's the sort of thing that you can have, where even if Giannis isn't shooting fantastic from the floor, as long as he can, like, get into the paint, and either draw a foul or kick out to uh, Middleton or kick out to Eric Bledsoe, who you know himself had 21 points, three threes for him as well. I mean, they're in really good shape. This was like, this is a hell of a bounce back because it seemed like they really got exposed in that first game, and everybody was kind of mocking them because they were like, you know, they were talking when Budenholzer and and Giannis and everybody were talking about. Uh, you know, adjustments going into this game, they were talking like, oh, we're just going to, you know, play harder. Like, that's all we really need to do. And people were like, nah, you got to do a little more than play harder right now, guys. Like, you know, it's it looks like a game plan thing that you need to work on. And and really, they kind of just did go out there and play harder. Giannis, like, put his body on the line every single play and was taking lots of shots down low. And then as a result, the perimeter was opening up. And, you know, obviously guys had to make their shots too to keep things honest, but you know, once Middleton and Bledsoe started heating up a little bit, everything just kind of fell into place from there. 
Yeah, a lot of talk was was made about Al Horford and his defense, but Al Horford can't contain Giannis by himself. What the what the Celtics were doing is they were you know stunting and bringing other guys in and kind of collapsing the defense around Giannis. So when he got around the rim, there was at least four arms around him in some way. So whenever he tries those those moves, like did you see that move he did? in the first round series against the the Pistons where he does that up and under like the Jordan kind of move where he goes up with the ball, comes down with it and goes back up. Well, the, the Celtics were, they were ready for moves like that because they had Horford up, straight up on him. And then they had somebody else, whether it's Morris or Tatum or Jalen Brown come flying in from, from the weak side or the strong side and, and slapping the ball or, you know, slapping him and sending him to the, the free throw line. And they were ready for that. But then, like you said, it leaves open guys like Bledsoe and, and Middleton. And Middleton was massive in that first half. I mean, it, the first half, they didn't really pull away. Um, and it really felt like the Celtics were going to win another one. They were just going to eventually get hot. And Kyrie was not shooting well. And Kyrie, in the beginning of the game, what was he? He was 2 of 12 at halftime. He only had five points. And he didn't finish much better than that. But you kind of felt like, man, they really, really – are not in a good spot right now. And if Kyrie starts getting hot, then all of a sudden the Celtics are going to go up 2-0 and not even play a game in Boston yet. But Middleton, 20 points at the half. That was massive. And, uh, man, Kyrie in this game. He only finished with 9 points, 4 of 18. He makes so many tough shots. But then when they don't go in, they just look so bad. It's, you it's, you kind of feel like um, like Paul George when he said that Damian Lillard's shot was bad and then everybody's response is, well, it went in, didn't it? You know, he can make those shots. Well, you kind of feel like some of these Kyrie Irving shots are bad. And uh, yeah. you, he can make them, but the shot when he, the shot is not going, the shot selection becomes kind of suspect. Yeah, it was definitely not the best night for future Nick Kyrie Irving tonight. <laughs> uh, Man, how know, far do we make it? We made it almost 10 minutes before we got a, a future Nick reference. Yeah, I, that's that's all I'm going to call him, by the way. That's his proper Christian name now, is future Nick Kyrie Irving. It's too bad uh, we don't have another one of those in the next game we're going to talk about. No, yeah, there's a, it was a great night for future Knicks tonight. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it was it was not great for future Nick Kyrie Irving tonight. I mean, he was, like, uh, just kind of, like, driving into the paint ad nauseum and, you know, getting stuffed almost every single time because kind of like what you were talking about that the – uh, Celtics did against Giannis, the the um, Bucks kind of did against Kyrie, uh, future Nick Kyrie Irving, I should say. Uh, they were doing that against him and, it, you know, just collapsing on him and making everything difficult for him and, and blocking his shot. And it was just, it was an ugly day for him. Uh, definitely not, not his finest playoff performance by far. Uh, it was actually second lowest points that he's ever scored in a playoff game and the other one he had left with an injury so just to give you an idea <laughs> yeah, um not great for future nick kyrie irving no not great for future nick kyrie irving tonight but uh, we also i feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the fact that the bucks rattled off a 28 to nothing run in the second half absolutely it's ridiculous let's say that's a Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's talk about the real reason the, the Bucks end up winning this game, and then we'll get to Golden State versus Houston. All right, Alex. So the real reason the Bucks ended up winning this game was, like you said, 28 to nothing, 28-2 run uh, from seven minutes in the third quarter till 11 minutes in the fourth quarter. Just this massive – I mean, you look at it. It was 74-71 with seven minutes and six seconds left in the third quarter. And then – a minute into the fourth quarter, it's 102 to 73. Boston had six yeah. turnovers in that run. They had bad passes. They had travels. They had offensive fouls. They had all kinds of stuff. I mean, just go look at Bill Simmons' Twitter feed and just see how sad he got during that time, and you can uh, just know how it went for Boston at 
that point. It's one of my favorite pastimes. <laughs> looking at sad Bill Simmons on Twitter, you know, as a as a Knicks fan. It's so, about it's about damn time. That's yeah. <laughs> I love Bill yeah. Simmons. I've been I've been a Bill Simmons fan since the first episode of his BS report. But it's about time that he he got what's coming to him. I, I mean, like I can't lie. I've been riding with him, you know, way back since like ESPN, Book of Basketball, all that stuff. Yeah. But like. Yeah, no, it's it's fun when it, when he self destructs, man. He self destructs on Twitter, like it's it's a spectacle. You when know, he turned on Kyrie Irving during this year, it was so great. Oh man, well you know that's that's probably the the greatest indication that future Nick Kyrie Irving is future Nick Ooh. Kyrie Irving is you know when Bill Simmons starts like openly bashing a dude and saying that he's checked out and this that and the other like a guy that he was like swooning over like two months prior yes. and saying that he was gonna lead them to. 70 wins or whatever the hell <laughs> um yeah it's it, that's probably the greatest indication to me that that these rumors at least have a little bit of legs here man but that run yeah. though i mean that really is what separated it and i mean not two minutes after that run was done i mean nine minutes left in the game St- brad Stevens starts emptying the bench and he throws in yabuselli and uh <laughs> who else did he throw in there uh, uh semi yeah, um, uh, the time lord robert williams the third got yeah. some run brad wanamaker if i can make this about the knicks again you know not not to make it about the worst team in the league again but i'd like to remind the listeners too that the celtics uh took uh robert williams over mitchell robinson on purpose and thought that was a good idea that's all that's all i'm saying i, lo- I love mitchell <laughs> robinson i think i think I'm, if i had a vote i would put him second team all rookie yeah yeah, I and I apologize to all the listeners of Locked On NBA. They're probably like, "Who the hell is this guy that's making everything about the crap ass Knicks?" But hey, I've not I can't brought up myself, Luka Doncic man. one time, so I just want to be on the record saying I've not brought up Luka once. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we Knicks fans don't have a lot to talk about, but we got a big off season coming up, so you know, we're just, we're, we're just getting our jokes in now, <laughs> being self deprecating while we can before we have to start taking ourselves seriously next year. So you know, and before you have to to get over the fact that you'll get the second pick you'll get john morant and then you'll have like john morant dennis with jr as your starting backcourt and kyrie irving future nick soon to be you know present nick kyrie we'll irving see. at we'll some see. point in a couple months we'll you know see. just be patient so that was that was really what what won in the game i mean their their turnovers the you know the defense by the bucks they started hitting shots that's when Giannis kind of scored his points i think he had what 14 in the in the third quarter yeah, was, he had like a zillion awesome. free throws too. I mean, yes. that, and he made, you know, he made a three and um, just, it, but that was kind of where he went off with the the free throws. And I feel like that probably had something to do with, you know, Boston not being able to get anything going is that, you know, pretty much every time down the floor, Giannis was drawing a foul and that puts him at the free throw line that stops the action that gives the Bucks time to really reset, you know, and then they would go defend the Celtics and then just come back and do the same thing over again. It was, it was just kind of like a, it, it was so strange. You know, you talk about like how that run came together and it was a long run. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like almost a full quarter's worth. And it was just so funny. Cause you know, I was like, I'm paying attention to the game, but you know how it goes. Like you're, you're a Twitter guy too. Like you're sitting there, you're kind of <laughs> on Twitter, you're kind of watching the game, like, you know, keep an eye on things. And like, I, you know, I, I looked up and I was like, oh, my God, they're up by, like, 25 now. Like, when did that happen? It was, like, a 10-point game a second ago. And then all of a sudden, somehow, like, at the speed of smell and also in a flash, they managed to, you know, build this, like, completely insurmountable, uh, you know, lead over the Celtics. It was it was pretty cool. 
The speed of smell is something that that uh, Joel Embiid and Zaire Smith understand very well. Mm. Definitely, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It it takes uh, <laughs> they they Take have care. like probably the formula by now, right? Take like care. they 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 figured out you know exactly how long it, it takes for you know a, a flatulent. Uh, discharge to make it from one person to another on a bench. <laughs> this is this is not about the games from last night, but the fact that that happened in the first game of that series against Brooklyn and then Joel Embiid had the uh the uh the incidents the other night where he was talking about how he was crapping his pants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how many got, fart get... poop jokes are we going to get from the Sixers through this run? I mean, is it just going to keep happening, or is it going to be one per series, one per round? I just want them to stay in so we can keep getting these. I mean, they're for sure like of all the teams in the playoffs. Still, they're for sure the most like frat house team left yes. out there. I think they're they're definitely the most fratty team that's left in the playoffs right now. Yes, for sure. Um. All right. So that that's the Boston Milwaukee game. Anything else you want to say from? Oh, the other thing we should mention was the other big adjustment that I wrote down was Milwaukee finally switched one through four. They finally started switching things. They got the Celtics to, you know, they baited them on some of these isolations where they were just like, all right, go ahead and have Tatum isolate, have Marcus Morris isolate, and uh, you know, have Kyrie Irving try and do his thing, and which actually worked for them, which normally doesn't. Uh, you know, Jason Tatum. Not great at the isolation. Whatever he did with Kobe Bryant, I mean, do the opposite this summer. <laughs> do complete opposite. Whatever work he did with them. But I feel like that was the big switch on defense that helped the Bucks in this. Yeah. No, I for real. Like, and it's it's funny that it you know that they didn't do that right from the rip because that's kind of been Budenholzer's you know calling card all the way back to Atlanta is the switchy defense and and all that. So it's good to see that kind of you know rear its head here and and become a key part for the uh for the bucks in this one i think yeah and on paper you look at the guys and you're like okay well i have bledsoe on on Kyrie, you have middleton on you know Jalen or or uh tatum and then you have you know, whoever our, our four is at that point is miritich or whoever we're gonna put him on, on marcus morris that's fine and then we have you know, Giannis. we can throw on whoever and then like it, you see on paper it seemed like they could match up pretty well and then you just have Giannis as like a floater whether he's on morris and floating around or on horford and kind of floating around yeah, I will say like Lopez hasn't been super useful so far in the first two games. Like even in this game, yeah, for how good the Bucks played, which, which are massive, but yeah, I mean those are good. But like in general, his his impact hasn't been fantastic. Like you know, he, I I just feel like he's maybe getting played off the floor a little bit, which is weird because he's a floor spacer and he can actually like defend in the paint too. But it's like these teams just seem to want to go so small, you know, that it's, it, you, you almost run like you, you might be better off running Giannis or like, I guess like in name only Miritich out there as your center almost yeah. uh, on some of these things, you know? Well, the name that everyone's been bringing up, at least from Bucks Twitter is uh, DJ Wilson is when are we get to get to see some DJ Wilson minutes and we didn't get to see them till the very end. I mean, almost the very end of the game, he got like the, the same Tony Snell treatment, by the way, what happened yeah. to Tony Snell? He's just gone. Yeah, I I don't know what happened to Tony Snell. I mean, was he ever really like that great to begin with? I like, remember. I, mean, I think it was either last summer or this past summer that he was the worst rated starting player in NBA 2K. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> he was never fun to play with in 2K either. Very unathletic. Not not as good of a shooter as advertised. Weird release yeah. point. 
But the not one of my favorites. I bring up DJ Wilson because he's he's the kind of guy that you would think that maybe they would throw him out there as that five. He's you know switchy and can get around and can rim run and stuff like that. But I mean, in theory, like you could just run a lineup out, like even of the players that are more in the rotation. And you know, this lineup might have seen a minute or two today, but I don't think it really did. Um, if you did like Bledsoe, uh, Middleton, Connaughton, uh, Giannis, and Miritich, I mean, that would be an interesting lineup. And that's, you know, they're big enough that like Giannis gets rebounds, you know, Miritich can get rebounds if need be, Bledsoe, uh, uh, Middleton, all those guys kind of can get rebounds. Even Connaughton had, had 11 in this game. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's definitely a lineup that if you want to go small, I think could be beneficial for them. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's move on to Warriors versus Rockets, the de facto NBA Finals, essentially. That is uh, kind of – it's lived up to the hype in the sense that there's been some dramatic moments, but I don't feel like these have been incredible games. These are not like Warriors-Cavs 2016 Finals games. Um, but the narrative going into this game, like I mentioned at the top of the show, is just been – the refs and landing area was this new thing. I mean, landing area feels like the new wingspan, right? Like wingspan was this huge buzzword and now <laughs> landing area. It used to be ripped through was kind of a, a big buzzword as far as refs and refing goes. Uh, what were some other things that we've had? Um, continuation. Continuation, continuation yeah. was a huge one for a long time. That's until they kind of basically got rid of continuation now. <laughs> and so they did this big complaint, complaint about it. They're like, you know, Harden does the thing where he's like, I just want to, I just want to have a fair chance, which of all the people in the entire universe that should say, you know, I want a fair chance. Harden is not that player that should be saying that. And yeah. goes all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, like the same, the same day that they're doing all this stuff and saying all these things. And Steve Kerr is, you know, making fun of James Harden and his presser by doing a fake, you know, getting fouled by a reporter move. And uh, this report comes out from Rachel Nichols and Zach Lowe, which interesting, interesting that comes out today. Interesting that comes out that day that the Rockets audited the 2018 game seven of the Western conference finals. And that they found 81 calls that were incorrect. That went uh, against the Rockets and that it cost them an NBA championship and $20 million to the city of, of Houston. Yeah, I'm sure that was completely impartial, right? Yeah. Completely, I can't, I can't. completely impartial. They, they definitely, like, when you look at the metrics that they were using and stuff, you're like, God, this is the most convoluted crap I've ever seen in my life. There was, honestly, that's like, a, it, if I were the Rockets, like, I would have never even sent that thing. I would have been, like, ridiculously embarrassed to hit the send button on that. <laughs> Because it was just so like, like if if you're getting to the point that you really have to like, you know, break down everything play by play, possession by possession, and run an audit, and then use like points points per possession stats and like all this other crap to make your case. I mean, come on, man. Like, why not just play a little better and win the game? Like, are you, if it's really, you know, if, you, if you're really going to be like that, like just play a little bit better and maybe you would have won the game and then, you know, you wouldn't be complaining about, you know, 81 missed calls or whatever. I mean. Well, and the hilarious thing about that know. is they missed the 27 straight threes and that was, you know, huge reason yeah, why they lost the game. Exactly. <laughs> There's yeah. a reason. I mean, it's like, not like there wasn't a reason. Seriously, like make a damn three-pointer. Come on. Like, you know, you're a team that's – that you know, makes their whole living on, on threes and from the three point line and you missed all those shots. But yeah, I mean, I don't know to get, to get back to this one, 
you know, I thought it was I thought it was an interesting game. I I, I got a bold prediction, you know, before we get into the, the real nitty gritty here. I don't think this series is going to get past five games. Oh, that's a hot one. That's a hot one that we yeah. need to to tease. So let's uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, Alex Wolf will explain to all of you why this game is not going to make it past a gentleman's sweep, five games. All right, Alex, explain yourself. You don't think the Rockets will win more than two games in this series? No, no. Well, to be clear, I don't think they'll win more than one game. Uh I don't know. I just I feel like um, I think even without Demarcus Cousins, I think the Warriors are just kind of too engaged now. Like clearly, all this like ref discussion, you know, it seemed to me at least in this game has like galvanized them. And you don't want to galvanize the best team in the league and you know make them start giving a hundred percent in the second round of the playoffs. Cause clearly like that first round, they were not giving hundred percent against the Clippers. How dare you? And Patrick Beverly takes, takes offense to that greatly. Yeah. No, they were not giving hundred percent. They were coasting and it showed and you know, they lost two games and whatever, but I legitimately think that they're, yeah, they're going to probably, I don't know if they'll go up three Oh, uh, or if they'll take the second game in Houston, I think Houston will win one or two at home. And then the Warriors will just put them away back on their own floor i just i think it's gonna happen i don't know it just it seems like to me and, and you know it's foolish probably to to think this far ahead especially because like you know they say the the old adage is like the series doesn't start till someone steals one on the road so like that hasn't happened yet um and the rockets could very well win both their games at home but i just don't see it it just i don't know between these two games even though the scores have been relatively close it it just doesn't seem like the competition level is quite as close. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, it feels, it feels different from last year. Yes. And th- there's two things that are happening, right? There's the Warriors are getting more locked in. Like you said, and when they get locked in, you see the defense, you know, you see the Warriors fan accounts all saying that, Oh, Clay Thompson is better than any secondary player that the 49ers have. Why doesn't he go out for the team? And you start seeing things like, you know, Seth Curry getting getting steals. And then even the, the play when he dislocated his middle finger was he was running over to, you know, to help and to, to stunt and try to get that, that ball. And you just have all these guys just moving around. And you have Durant as a rim protector. I mean, Durant as a rim protector is just – it's one of the scariest things because if he puts that together – I mean, he could be a center. I mean, he's not big enough to play against Embiid and guys like that or, or Gobert, I guess. But, man, you can play him as a small ball five and all of a sudden your point guard is a five. And it's the same problem that – you know, teams have with Giannis, except for Durant is one of the best shooters in the league. It's, it's just, I mean, he he's the best player in the game, and he can play all five positions. It's just, it's the craziest thing right now. And so the Warriors are getting locked in. They're getting locked in defensively, and then on offense, you have these incredible plays, these incredible passing plays that look like, you know, reminiscent of Warriors from, you know, 2015 and before that, where they're just whizzing the ball around, they're getting guys. All of a sudden, you just have an open, you know, the ball – flips around three times you swing it around swing it around all of a sudden Draymond just has an open dunk and you're like where did that come from you have to watch it back three times just to try and figure out how it all shook out so that a guy has an open dunk like that from a team that is has been playing really really good defense I mean the the Rockets shut down the Jazz the Jazz are not the best offensive team but they just they couldn't get anything going in that series and then even you know in the game before the Warriors weren't playing that well and then all of a sudden they just get locked in like this Steph Curry didn't have the greatest game he gets locked in, and now when those two things happen, the defense, 
the passing, you know, the getting locked in on both ends. All of a sudden, the Rockets are starting to lose guys. I mean, they lose Daniel House. He's just not in there. He just can't play. Iman Shumpert, you don't hit shots because Warriors defense, and all of a sudden, you're you're just out. <laughs> he can't play. Then you, yeah. Kenneth Reed, they can't play him. Now, all of a sudden, Clint Capella, minus 19, worst on the team. He start, I mean, they're starting to lose him. He's like a $20 million player for them. It's, it's these huge things for the, for the Rockets. They're just starting to lose guys left and right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you look at the lineup that the, the Warriors put out there, and it's no surprise that Capella can't really hack it. You know, it's just it's not a it's not a good matchup for him. And, you know, it's it's like the biggest thing with the Warriors and with this sort of small ball style that started to, like, dominate. Well, not started. It's It has been for a couple of years now because of the Warriors. But, like, you know, the style that they sort of patented of just running you off the floor, obviously it helps to have four all-stars on the floor at any given time. But like, I mean, first off, like shouts to future Nick, Kevin Durant. I got to call him by his proper Christian name real quick. Uh, shout out to future Nick, Kevin Durant. He had a good game. I enjoyed watching him play and I've been, I'm, I'm rooting for them is as weird as this is the Rockets have managed to turn themselves into such villains to the average NBA fan I know. that I'm rooting very hard for future Nick, Kevin Durant and his current team, the golden state warriors to just like roll the, the Rockets right now. Uh, but then also shout out to Chris Paul for the super dirty play. Very Chris Paul-esque where Draymond, that dunk you were talking about, Draymond drives in, dunks, and Chris Paul tried to like push him off the rim and didn't get called for it. But that was that was pretty dirty. That showed up on the Warriors' own like Twitter feed. They like clipped the video and they're like, wow, great play. <laughs> and then at the end, you just see like Chris Paul literally like walking up to Draymond Green and like trying to shove his legs out from under him while he was like trying to stabilize himself on the rim. Cause he came in really hard and had to kind of like swing a little bit, but um, yeah, there's that. I don't know if they, they probably won't find him or anything after the game. Maybe they will. It seems like they like to find Chris Paul. I think they might then, find him just for taunting when, when James Harden finally got that kick out, um, you know, landing in the area of, you know, the shooter foul and he finally got that. And then Chris Paul just kind of dances over James Harden without, before even helping him up. And he's like, we finally got a call. Like they might find him for that. Yeah, that's true. Chris Paul might be the most annoying player in the NBA right now. Like, shout out to the Players Association. Yeah, seriously. I mean, that's the guy that they have representing all the players in the NBA, which is ridiculous. But um, other anyway, the point I was getting to, regardless of Chris Paul doing you know bush league crap, is uh, Draymond Green like was legit. I would I would say like for all the great performances in this game, and I mean. It, great is like a, a weighted term in this game because like it was kind of an ugly game. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it, for two teams that play basketball in a really beautiful way, sometimes. Well, and you can't really say that about the, the Rockets, but the Warriors with their and I mean, I guess Harden step back in a way has some some aesthetic to it. You know, like yeah, you know. I guess like for for two, let's just say it this way: for two teams that usually play basketball in a very efficient way, uh, there was not a lot of you know great. Um, you know, efficiency numbers and stuff in this one. Like, the, it was a lot of defense, you know, props to both of them for that. But, like, Draymond was probably, I would say, the MVP of the game um, yeah. because he was really at his best with, like, the passing. I mean, he had these two, like, beautiful touch alley-oop passes to Andre Iguodala, which were just, like, dope. I mean, there was one in the first half and one in the second half, and they were almost a mirror image of each other on either end of the floor. It was like, I, I don't know if Steph was the the – you know, initial ball handler both the times, but both times Draymond went up and kind of like 
set a screen and then started rolling towards the rim. But then in the meantime, he had drawn coverage up. So then Iguodala cuts along the baseline and Draymond had the ball in his hands for like 0.3 seconds. And then it was up in the air to Iguodala and he slammed it down both times. Just like beautiful plays both times. And I can't believe honestly that like they were able to pull that same play off twice. Like basically the same exact thing on, on opposite ends of the floor, but it was great to watch both times. And like, it was just stuff like that from Draymond basically all night. Plus the fact that he actually shot well, which, you know, is obviously a key um, to him as far as keeping defenses honest and stuff. He had, he had 15 points of his own, uh, 6 of 10 shooting, which was one of the better numbers on the team. So, yeah, he's uh, it, it was it was definitely like what you could probably call vintage Draymond Green game. Yeah, it's, it's all of a sudden he's just, I mean, what is he? He's just in shape now? He's just... For the whole season, he was not in shape, and now he is. <laughs> with it, with, I guess that's what it's like to be on top, you know. With an actual, you can get <laughs> with an actual end game spoiler, he was like melted ice cream Thor for the entire you know season, and now all of a sudden he just like hits himself with lightning and becomes in shape. I guess it's kind of you funny. probably you probably should have given a slight bit more pause there, just in case people hadn't seen the movie yet. Uh, it I, like I didn't give much old. away. I I I used the reference. I didn't I didn't say the actual. That's story. true. That's probably been spoiled for a lot of. I feel like that's the best kept spoiler on the internet though i won't say any other ones but so like great. i feel like so i feel great. like fat thor has been the most well-guarded secret oh see now you gave easily... it away well you said it first no what i just said hell? melted ice cream nobody knows that you man. can you can put two and two together come on like you know what this <laughs> could have just he could have just melted he could have just been melted by the gauntlet or whatever but yeah yeah, yeah that's what they did they, they physically melted thor <laughs> like ice cream uh, uh that's the only way you can take him down he's the strongest avenger and so the, the Warriors in this game, you know, the ball's flying around, and the ball flies around at one point, and they're getting, they got a bunch of offensive rebounds in this game. That was massive, too. 18 offensive rebounds. And on one offensive rebound attempt, Harden gets just absolutely – his eyes get just gouged. I mean, just – I don't know how Dray, – Draymond Green must have the hand-eye coordination of either a small baby or just a, the most insane athlete we've ever seen because he got both fingers in James Harden's eye sockets and like dug. And one of them, it, one of the, the replays where they're showing James Harden's eye, it just looks like there's a chunk of it taken out. And yeah. you guess that affected him in a way. I mean, you could tell he was like kind of squinting and he was having, you know, issues and stuff and he stayed out for a long time. I mean, I didn't even know if he was going to come back in the game and I was very disappointed. He didn't come back with an eye patch, but. Yeah, I mean, look, how bad is it, though, that my first reaction was like, wow, I can't believe James Harden just sold, you know, whatever that was yeah. <laughs> for a whole possession and cost his team three points on the other end. Because, you know, while he was on the ground, Kevin Durant got a, that was another great pass from Draymond, uh, got a nice swing pass and hit a three on the other end. And then when they showed the replay, like the top replay, I was like, man, this dude's selling it. And then they showed like the side replay. I was like, OK, all right, he got hit. <laughs> yeah. But like. I don't know, man. It's so it's it's rough with Harden because he's he's such a you know he's so good at like the the selling aspect. Like he could be like a pro wrestler, you know what I mean? And uh, it, it felt like a sell job at first, but then when he went back to the locker room for a while, he did come back. Like, I mean, I think the one eye was pretty messed up. The other one was fine. I'm pretty sure. Um, the one the one seemed kind of messed up. Apparently, he cut his eyelid, which it, that was what was bothering him the most. He was probably like getting light amounts of blood in his eye all game, which kind of sucks. Like, that stings. If you've ever had, like, blood or other bodily fluids in your eyeball. Yeah, I, I tried to watch Game of Thrones on Sunday, and I got some of that. Some of that action was happening. 
Yeah, exactly. Were you not a fan of the episode? I'm not was, a Game of Thrones guy. It was so. just hard to see, you know, and you just kept feeling oh, like you were squinting so much, the squeezing blood. Oh, oh, that's legit. Yeah, the squinting. Well, apparently you just have to turn the lights off in the room while you're watching. Apparently I don't know how fine. to set my TV, according to the photographer, the, the director of photography from Game of Thrones. But that, That's right. also entirely possible. We could talk but, about these games for a long time, but there you go. Those are two of the games last night. We hope you enjoyed uh, this edition of Locked On NBA. I'm Nick Engstead. Again, you can follow me at Nick Van Exit. My podcast is Locked On Mavericks. Isaac Harris and I will be talking all summer. We're we're trying to go the whole. We're going the whole summer daily, like we do on the Locked On Network. We're going to be talking about the draft. We're doing draft profiles. We just put up our draft profile of Zion Williamson. Talking about Luca. Talking about Borzingis. Mavs free agency. All kinds of stuff. We'll do summer league stuff. We also do a series over the summer called What Ifs, Biggest Mavs What Ifs, and maybe we'll do some NBA What Ifs too. We also do Binge Mavs where we go back and watch old Mavs games and talk about them like they actually just happened. So we do stuff like that. Alex, what are some stu- what's some stuff you guys are doing on Locked on Knicks? Well, I'm kind of curious why, you, why you're doing a pod on future Knicks, I, and Williamson also. But we do we'll, draft, we'll talk we about do, that another we time. We do draft profiles on everybody. <laughs> well, <laughs> stay away from future Knicks, I, and Williamson, please. <laughs> because if the Mavericks win the lottery, I... I'm going to go jump off a bridge. That's 6%, um, but, baby. That's 6%. <laughs> At any rate, yeah, you can find me on uh, Locked on Knicks. You can find me on Posting and Toasting, the SB Nation blog. But on Locked on Knicks, we're, uh, we've had some good draft episodes over the last couple weeks. We had uh, Jonathan Wasserman of Bleacher Report. We had Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation on last week. Uh, Gavin and I, Gavin Shaw, co-hosts, have been... Uh, you know, just kind of talking about some off-season stuff. We did an off-season mailbag this past week. We're doing some individual episodes this week with some friends, uh, you know, from our various blogospheres and stuff. So we got those coming up. And, yeah, I, I, I wish I could say that I was nearly as organized as you are, Nick. Uh, but I, I'm not entirely sure what we have going forward. I know we're going to have some more draft coverage naturally. We're going to get as much Zion talk in as possible before the lottery just on the – 86% slim chance that the Knicks don't win the lottery. Um, and then, you know, leading up to the draft, we'll have all kinds of draft coverage for you guys, all kinds of off-season coverage, whatever you want. If you're a Knicks fan or even if you're not a Knicks fan and you just want to listen to us commiserate about being Knicks fans, we got you covered. Absolutely. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On NBA.